Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Analog Talk. I'm your host, Chris. I'm Tim. And today's special guest, we have Jonathan Canlis. Hey, Jonathan. Hey, hey, how's it going, guys? Good, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. So I want to start start off by saying I've been a huge fan of you and your work for years and years. Oh, thank you. Um, when I first got back into shooting photog- uh, film photography, specifically, a friend of mine was like, you got to check out this guy, Jonathan. And I, I literally poured over your blog, got your book, got the t-shirt. Like, it's serious. So thank you for okay. joining us on the show. Right on. Um, but for our listeners who might not know you, can you give us a background on yourself and how you got started in photography? Uh, yeah, um, I'm trying to think of a version that people haven't heard already. So um, <laughs> I, I'm Jonathan Canlis. I live in a town called Payson, Utah. I started shooting like, prof- I guess, quote unquote, professionally. Like I shot my first wedding in the summer of 1999. I was trying to earn enough money to like go on a study abroad, um, not to really study, but to basically go see like bands and shoot bands and stuff like that, you know, in oh, London. man. Great idea. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, right? Like, why would I go to London? I'm not there, I'm not there to see Les Mis. I'm there to go see, like, yeah. <laughs> Modest Mouse, man. Yeah. You know, whoever's uh-huh. playing at the time. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, I'm, I'm, I guess the thing that maybe sets me apart is that, like, literally I'm 100% analog. Like, I don't own a digital camera other than this thing called an iPhone mm-hmm. 6 Plus mm. S is what I think it is. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, everything that I shoot is always on film like there isn't another option for me and not not because like oh like that's the cool hip thing to do like that's just all i know right you know it's it's been that way from the get-go that's not to say that i haven't attempted to shoot digitally uh maybe three times in my career but i'm I'm so far into it um that i'm not i have it's not something i ever really want to do not that there's anything wrong with it i just really enjoy like the process of being behind a camera instead of a, sitting inside of a chair trying to figure out how I want to edit mm. or take my images. I let my film stocks, how I expose, how I develop it, kind of dictate the look that I want. So I don't know. Other than that, like I, I own a lab. I own the Find Lab, which right. also obviously helps shooting film. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that's only <laughs> been honestly like a recent thing. Like that opened in... God, when was that? 2012, I think it was. And we didn't actually, oh no, it was 2011. We went public in 2012. So I say it was private in the fact that I used to do a workshop called Film is Not Dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yep. And at that time, like the first one was in March of 2008 when film was wildly popular, you know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So um, there weren't a lot of options for like labs at that time. And I, you know, Uh, was up there preaching to all these people, like for you to get better, you need to start shooting for yourself, AKA shoot personal work. And, you know, the option of sending it to Walgreens or Walmart really is, you know, it's a crapshoot. It mm -hmm. could be good. It could be bad. So we opened up a lab, just, you know, hired a bunch of friends of mine and uh, we were private until it got big and, it seemed like we were these elitist people and I, I didn't want to be that because <laughs> it wasn't like a pri- like we're private and it's only us, you know, it just, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just what it was, what it was, you know, I think we only had like five employees at the time and now we, we employ like 35 people. So, whoa, uh, that's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's really great. Like film is definitely a very much alive in that's- 2019. So it's cool. I love it. And like I said, I don't do it because it's cool. I do it because it's a lifestyle to me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, it's not this trend or like, I'm not doing things that I'm like, oh man, in like five years, I'm gonna be like, shit, that was super gimmicky. Like that's, I think what I love about film is that it's pretty straightforward. Right. You know, like I can take, I can go back into a portfolio 10 years ago and I'm like, wow, it's a decent color. It's good exposure. It, there isn't anything that's like piss yellow skies or like right, right, know, right. selective <laughs> color or anything like that. I don't, I don't know. I don't have any regrets shooting film. Oh man, remember selective color? Oh yeah, remember, remember when that, that was a thing? Yeah. Woo. Uh, 
<laughs> so there, that's that's who I am. I never thought of it that way because it's so funny. I was I was scrolling back through my my Flickr archives, and you can tell like when the film just took over because right. I you know I I got into the digital realm and you know went for it with that. I mean it was that's kind of how I relearned photography again and but you can see just like awful over over like uh <laughs> produced photos to like beautiful black and whites and like nice color photo. it's like <laughs> just the wave of change that takes over mm-hmm. in my in my feed it's just it's funny yeah, it's i nice. forgot about that i always forget about that time <laughs> as we rightly should you know yeah exactly <laughs> let, let, let it die on flicker it's leave okay. it alone on flicker <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> So, Jonathan, do you still do the find workshops? When was the last one that uh, that happened? I, I don't do them in physical. Like, it, they actually ended. I, I The last one was That's what in I thought. I wasn't sure. February of 2015 in Berlin, of all places. Whoa. Man. Yeah. Awesome. It was it was crazy, man. It was a really cool ride. Like, it when it first started, like, I did two a year. And the first two that I did were in Hawaii, which is where I like, kind of lived when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it just kind of exploded from there. Instead of doing like two times a year, it was like once a month. Whoa. And it went all over the globe. It was, it was kind of nuts. It was really cool. I ended up like, I think over the seven year span, there were over 700 attendees. Damn. So yeah, it That's was re- amazing. Mm-hmm. It was really cool, man. Just because it was, it's cool to see a lot of people get behind an idea that, like I said, when I started in 2008 was wildly unpopular. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like I would get like hate emails from like digital dudes, you know, with like ponytails and like long lenses. Like, <laughs> I can't believe you're doing this workshop. It's so stupid. Like, no one cares about film. And like, I don't even know where that guy is now. Right, like, right, exactly. Yeah. He works at like Costco and I'm here talking to you tonight about films. So. Right, right. Man. <laughs> you know? Yeah, if you have to explain it to somebody, it's like, it's like you don't get it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, it's just funny that someone would take the time out of their day to be like, I'm going to email this guy and give him a piece of my mind mm-hmm. about something that's so, like, were you offended? Like, were you, did you feel somehow challenged that I'm doing this workshop i don't know it's just strange to me but that is so strange i don't understand that the, the internet is so nuts when yeah. It, yeah when it comes to stuff like that well it does make sense because if you go on to a handful of like facebook groups you're like oh there's that guy in whatever this version of yeah is, mm-hmm. yeah so yeah yeah it is what it is but so were the workshops getting too crazy to um, keep up well, with them? so i don't know if you know this i'm married and i have six kids mm-hmm. so like that travel where I'm gone at least like a week and a half for especially if it was like an international thing it just was too much so I turned it into an online thing which was really great because now I can just do it from home you know oh, yeah. And, and there's like pdfs and like videos and it's called find in a box but well you just launched something today didn't you I did yeah <laughs> I, I just launched a new guide it's called find meaning which is basically all about shooting personal work. Which is super important. We love talking about shooting personal work on the show. I mean, it's yeah. it's the it's the only thing. Yeah. Because I don't care what it is that you do for money for cameras. That's not why you picked up a camera. Right. It's not. Like, no one decided to pick up weddings because whatever, I hate Saturdays and I love brides. Right. No. <laughs> you know? Someone threw money at you and you're like, well, fucking cool. I can like make yeah. money in the thing that I absolutely love, you know? So I feel like, and not that I'm saying there's anything wrong with whatever you do professionally. It's great. But you always need to look at this as a stepping stone right. to get you to be able to do what it is that your dream job. Like if money's out of the equation, what are you going to pick up your camera to go shoot? It's not a wedding. That's a good point. It's not family photos of somebody that you don't know. It's not. Yeah. It's going to be photos of people that you care about or like, you know, stories that you have access to. You know, I think that's one of the biggest things is I feel people need to start thinking about, you know, you get you work really hard to get into your whatever it is, the genre that you're in, build this career, and build a name for yourself. But I think you need to equally work as hard to get out and also start shooting what it is that you really care about. Like, because if you're a wedding photographer, you shoot for 15 years. At the end of 15 years, what do you have? You have a portfolio of photos that you may or may not care about. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to say on the latter end, you're probably not going to care about them. Right. You know, did you take the time to pick up your camera and go shoot for yourself and tell the stories you wanted to tell? Or did you just, was it it just a job like everybody else, you know? I think that's what people forget about the whole thing. I don't. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah I don't. You don't. Yeah. But, you know. Yeah, I don't. I, you know, I shoot strictly personal work. And well, it's, yeah. it's the best thing ever. Yeah. It, it makes me not hate it. You know, like, yeah. it's not a job to me. So... I could be, I mean, I, I, we talk about it all the time. I especially say that it's just like, if this would, I mean, I get it. I get making money at a profession, like, like being a wedding photographer. Like that's pretty badass because, you know, not just shooting the photos, like getting to spend the day with like awesome people Mm -hmm. and like see all the love and all that stuff. Like I get it. It's great. But like, man, I just, I don't want to like hate photography. Like I'm not, if my boss is listening, I don't hate my job. (laughs) I just... Uh, <laughs> but let's be honest like anyone else like in, and it doesn't matter if you're a photographer or anything else like 85 percent of your job is a paycheck yep yeah you 100%. know 15 percent of it is like oh my gosh this is the greatest thing ever this is what i gonna do for the rest of my life so yeah. like for you to come in and like expect that your career as a photographer is going to be this instagram life of you living your best life it's a joke you Ugh. know like there are, are now i'm not saying like all the gigs that I shoot are, are like that. They're awesome. It's great. I'll never complain. Someone is paying me money to push a button. Right. Like yeah. that's incredible, you know, but that body of work may not be as important as say the body of work I shoot of my family or like if I decide to get involved in some activism with like murdered and missing indigenous women, which I've been working on for the last three years, like that body mm. of work to me is leaps and bounds more important than what I'm going to quote-unquote paid to do for real yeah yeah i feel that all the time like there's so much more pride and enjoyment when there's no weight on your shoulders of having to complete it by Mm -hmm. so and so i mean other than your own stipulations of like you know i want to wrap this up by 2020 you know other than that that's what keeps me fuel people all the time they're just like dude you're so passionate i get messages on instagram and i thank you guys so much because it just makes me happy that like you see how passionate i am about this stuff but like i don't think i'd be that gung-ho if it was you know if it was my nine to five no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be that gung ho. So, like, I I agree one hundred percent with what with what you're saying. And if I was to take that even further, I don't think you would be gung ho if you felt. Do you know I mean like that for all three of us? You know, I don't know you two all that intimately. I just met you tonight. Yeah. But I'm assuming <laughs> there's a different feeling when you're shooting film versus when you're shooting digitally. When you're shooting film, every one of those clicks, regardless if you own a lab or not, it's going to cost you money. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so you're going to be super intentional, or at least I would hope that you're responsible enough that you're intentional, right. you know, where with the digital, like, I don't care how, like how disciplined you are shooting film, you hand someone a digital camera and I don't care. You're going to start taking an extra one yep. and another extra yeah. one and oh, another yeah. extra one. And spray that's and just pray. Like, well, I'm, I'm not saying you're going to get to the spray and pray point, but you're definitely going to be taking more photos, mm-hmm. which to me equates to more editing and more culling like mm-hmm. why like i love the idea of showing up with one roll of film and shooting it yeah it's 12 shot like for for me i shoot a lot of squares six six so it's 12 photos and like 12 photos to me is i'm, I'm not taking doubles of anything right like when no. i hit it that was it and if it didn't turn out it didn't turn out but like when i call it worst case scenario like i'm gonna delete three you know yeah, and yeah. everything else yeah. is is where it should be you know where with digital like just the like the idea of wanting to shoot personally digital when you're gonna have to go through and call 5,000 images <laughs> no thank mm, you I'm done mm. I have no <laughs> desire like that's why I feel like a lot of people that I do talk to I'm like hey do you shoot personally for yourself I'm like no it's because they shoot 100% digital and because when they shoot right it's not fun it's not this thing they look forward to it's it, it equates to more work you know oh, yeah i, I remember even imagine I, that I, I remember like shooting weddings on the difference between shooting a wedding on film and digital i remember calling and being like why did i take seven of the same pose <laughs> like why did i do that what and what it's is not wrong? even like a like a like a pinnacle moment it's just like he's just standing there <laughs> i feel like and it's his almost face kind of like yeah, to may, make like get him blinking or like yeah to make like the <laughs> the client feel better when i'm like i know i already got it i don't know why i'm still doing this but like with film you you have it's like one okay now let's move over here or whatever you know you're it's very intentional uh i'm just like seeing <laughs> like mm-hmm. the same shot like over over and over in lightroom right now and like i don't know how to, to say it other than like film can kind of make you like over self-confident mm-hmm. you know because with digital like that's you're taking seven because 
either you feel you didn't get it or you're not confident enough in your work that where you feel like you could just take one. Mm-hmm. You know, where with film, it's like you take one and that's it and you move on and you're not, at least for me, I'm never like, like as I move to the next shot thinking, oh shit, did I get that last one? Right. Did I, I get it. it? Did I get I it? I got it. I'm good. Where with digital, it's like, well, you know, let's, <laughs> yeah. let's just hope we get something. That's so crazy. Why is it like that? I mean, I'm the, I, I'm the, I, I did it not too long ago. I shot some, just uh, some food stuff for my, my boss at the job. She was like, can you just take a couple shots of these new plates so I can throw them up on the website? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And man, just like, you know, just like Chris said, seven shots of the same plate that's not even moving. Like the plate's not, it's, they're sitting there. Like digital photography is stealing people's confidence. Yeah. It, it, it really, really did. It, and I was looking at him I'm like, man, I don't know if I got it. I'm like, I would have never second guessed that if I would have just like shot it on some like portrait or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's nuts. Ugh. I don't hate digital. Because we're going to get yelled at now. Everybody's going to yell at us. I, it, it has its place. Like There are it things does, that does. digital can do that film can't even touch, especially when it comes to like low light stuff mm-hmm. for some yeah, things, especially yeah. color. Yeah. Or these clients in L.A. who want it to like before I left the job, they want it. Oh. Can you can you upload this wirelessly? I'm like, no, I don't have that camera. Which I have to go home and download. Which is I love about film. Can I see the photo? Yeah, in like two weeks. Yeah, yeah. If you want to see it. Man, if that's a we live in such a crazy world that you can't wait a, a day. You know what I mean? That they're asking you for the they're photos asking, like that. Mm-hmm, like you're yeah. walking out the door saying bye, and they're already like, "Can we get these on Instagram?" Yeah, like it's but it's like it didn't even happen. That, that's somebody else's fault. Someone just was like, "Sure, I'll do it," and because that person did it, the next person has to do it, and now we're expected right. to. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, yeah. So whoever that guy is, you know, let's go punch him in the throat. <laughs> yeah thanks dude yeah are you working on any other specific personal projects right now jonathan or is it just mainly like your family all the time or uh no man i'm 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 constantly working on anywhere from three to five different personal projects that's amazing time. that's amazing <laughs> yeah um so obviously like so with my like family like i try and get all six kids in the frame once a month and i know that sounds like oh no big deal no that sounds like a huge deal what do you (laughs) mean you have six kids yeah and they range from like you know seven to like almost 16 so there's lots of different anyway that's just a a project i've been constantly trying to work on with the whole goal in mind that like once those kids fly the coop like i'm going to give them a box you know of a print from each month for however long they were ever decided to do this yeah it's like the best if you were to ask me like what's your best body of work there it is right you know it's it and that's the thing these images aren't like groundbreaking or like, you know, they're not like super artistic because like a lot, well, some of them I, I'm really proud of, but it's just basically getting six people in a frame once a month. That's all I really care about, you know? And to me, the story is, is how they're changing. And mm-hmm. like my kids are like, in, they were tweens for a while, but now I've got like a handful of teenagers and how they're constantly, you know, puberty is awesome. And oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just documenting it once a month. It's it's cool to go through like the last 12 images. You're like, wow, you've really changed. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. I kind of get a glimpse of who you are going to be as an adult, you know. So, yeah, there's that. But I've got a couple other projects I'm working on. I've been uh, doing like I mentioned it earlier, like I've been doing this work with um, this MMIW, which is uh, Murdered, Missing Indigenous Women. It's it's a really crazy thing, but like basically, I'm friends with a handful of native gals who have trusted me enough to bring me along as a male to go in and photograph families who have had wow like horrific atrocities happen, like things you just can't even imagine. Yeah, um, yeah. it's nuts because like the third highest reason for uh, fatalities among native women is murder. Jeez. not like cancer, not like you know heart disease or whatever. It's it's murder. So um, going in and telling these stories and a lot of this, again, has to do with access because um, it kind of started way back in 2016 where I I went to Standing Rock to go take photos. A friend of mine who is native, who actually I shot her engagements like maybe like 10 years prior. I'm not sure when it was, maybe 2008. So maybe eight years prior. Anyway, I became really good friends with her. You know, like she's just a really cool friend of mine. Her name's Alexis Dyer, but she invited me out to go and that kind of... I don't know, steamrolled the whole project and I'm still doing so like tomorrow I'm going to go up to Salt Lake 
I'm shooting um, this native guy who is gay that's running for a certain seat in, I'm not exactly sure, in Salt Lake. And I'm going to go take his headshots and stuff. Wow. Yeah, it was. I just saw him at Pride last week. He's all dressed up in like his garb, which was amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and now he, it's cool, man. Like it's it's just it's it's really great to see that your photos go beyond just the basic like you know here's a nice shot of whoever for because I, I do a lot of families now. I used to shoot a ton of weddings. That's how I kind of got into this business. I started shooting tons of weddings. And then, you know, 15 years into it, I realized I, I, I'm not a wedding photographer. Not that I don't <laughs> shoot them anymore. I still do. But like, okay. it's just not, it took me 15 years to figure out I was a family photographer. Right. And so to go through like these kinds of things, it's not mundane, but like, they're not like life shattering or like images that are going to bring like social change to anyone. You know, mm. they're heirlooms for, fe- for people. Right. So to be able to have access to projects like this that can actually make people think make people actually like i don't know be provoked to donate and help other families like this it's it's kind of cool now is that project going to be like a book or uh no it's an ongoing project so like okay let me just give you an example of one thing that happened so um i was asked to go shoot this rally in, in at sundance in 2018 so it's like january you know like like as I was going there, like I saw like Will Smith's kid. I don't know what his name is, but the, the weird old kid, you know. Yeah. He had his little little film camera and stuff, and I'm there to basically document this gathering of women who I assumed were all from Utah, who have had someone go missing or or murdered, and they were getting up like it was just kind of a really cool, I guess, platform because there were a lot of like you know, it's just a stark contrast of these Native American women who. And families who, you know, are kind of on this lower socioeconomical ladder versus dudes in like coats that cost like, I don't even know how much, Mm -hmm. you know. So I started shooting this and like was hoping that, you know, I'd be able to tell these stories because they were all local. These women had flown in from all over the States. Like none of them were from Utah. And I was like, man, how am I going to like take this? project a step further which would basically in my opinion go to their home hear their story right document their family and you know kind of like r- raise awareness have these like in your face kind of portraits that are like whoa like if you look at them you wouldn't think anything but if i tell you this backstory you're like what in the world right, right. yeah so yeah. that happened and you know we realized there wasn't anyone there so i asked the gal who kind of was the head of it was her name is Danae. And her auntie back in like 1983. Okay, so listen to this crazy story. They were in this like, they were in like a trailer, you know, it was like a Friday night. I think she was just a couple months shy of her 19th birthday. Her and her mom were like knitting in the trailer and she had a three month old baby. This guy came, cut the power, came in, <gasps> shot the mom in the head. She survived. No. They, he didn't wow. see the baby. Wow. So he didn't shoot the baby. She's alive now. Like the, the mom was alive and ended up like chasing her aunt all around. Like she struggled, he ended up murdering her. Right. Oh, so geez. I flew down to Arizona with Danae to go meet their family and like doc. It, it's just, it was crazy. Cause I, I, I landed in Phoenix and then I had to drive like four hours to Sanders, Arizona, which is like middle of nowhere. It's like, right. like Navajo reservation. Right. Like they met me at a dollar store because they had to take me. They couldn't give you an address of where her grandma lives, yeah. you know. Right, and like right, as right. I'm driving with them, like they're like going all these back roads. I'm like, oh, dude, they're trying to ditch me. You know, <gasps> <laughs> they weren't though. But like it's just all these random back roads, you right? Know? And I had maybe three hours by the time I got there to the house before it's because I went there. I think in February. All oh, right. Was, of last year. Or was it this year? It was last year. But I had three hours to tell this story and like somehow honor this this aunt who had been murdered and there was no justice to it. Like the dad had already like, you know, because it happened on like native land, they kind of had an idea who had done it. They brought these things to the FBI and they just got pushed aside because wow. they were native. Yeah, it's it's just fucking nuts, man. Like, but that's the thing is, man, like you think about it. You know, let, let's back up maybe like 10 years ago or let's go back eight years ago when no one really was 
I mean, I know that I know I have a handful of friends who are activists where there's always something to be, you know, angry about or something to to promote so that you can make change. But for me in my life, eight years ago, everything was happy. I had I I wouldn't mm-hmm. ever do any kind of project like this at all because yeah. things were fine. But in this climate that we live in now, there's a lot of things for a lot of people that just they piss you off, man. Right. Like I just can't believe what's happening. Mm-hmm. And to have an opportunity like this to come up, hey, will you come do this? Of course I'll do it. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. like I would totally jump at the opportunity if I knew I could take images that could possibly make change. I was just going to say that's like the most beneficial thing about, you know, photography or any medium, I guess, really, if you're doing something to show the world, like, look at look what is happening. And mm-hmm. yeah, that's. That's incredible. I mean, if you think about it, though, like, I mean, the both of you, you both have access to a story that Mm -hmm. none of us would have access to. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like in your social circles, there's something that's going on that people, one, they trust you, you know. And so if you showed up with a camera, you and you alone be able to tell that story where if I showed up, it's like, whoa, I don't know you. Right. This is weird, Mm -hmm. you know. So I feel like this personal work is all about finding where that access is, finding out where those doors are and opening them and actually getting off your butt and going, doing the shoot, you know? Man, I think about that every day. Like every day I try to like dig myself into something locally around here that can be told. It's it's amazing how powerful just like an image is. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Just one photo of what this is along with a couple words is is just nuts. I mean, sometimes you don't even need words. Yeah. (laughs) It's just nuts. And that's the thing. It's I feel like there's this like double-edged sword with social media because I hate social media. I just hate it. But I I love it because like I'm not out there. Like I don't do these projects for likes and or accolades or anything like that. I right. do this mm-hmm. in hopes of it getting in front of the person who can do more than I can. Right. Yeah. You know, like there's only so much I can do monetarily or even in terms of like time to be able to be commit to go and do these shoots. You know, like I said, I'm married. I've got six kids. I can't just be off and doing these things pro bono, which is they're all, you know, I would never ask for compensation, you know? Right. But in a real world, like it's obviously not something I could constantly, constantly, constantly be doing. But if I do the right project, you know, I can pick and choose and take the photos that are effective enough and that gets in front of the right person. That's where change happens, in my opinion, you know, because yeah. someone else can do something more than you can. It's just you getting those photos in front of that person. And I feel social media is that necessity. You yeah. Know? No matter how much you hate it, like it's. It's how things go viral, you know? Yep. You're not going to get viral yeah. by having a print in your, in your room that you don't show anybody. Yep. <laughs> so true. Anyway, uh, let's geek out about film. <laughs> <laughs> they just announced Akros is coming back. Come oh, on, yeah. Start. I know. <laughs> I just made a, a post on my Instagram story saying, isn't anyone else, like, kind of worried that it's, like, version two? Like, is it going to be the same? Is it is yeah, it going to be worse? So is it going to be better? Like, what what's version two mean? Mm, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. All, all I care is that if version two is still orthopanchromatic, I don't care what you do. That's what I've heard that a couple times today. Yeah, that exact so, same phrase right there. So, yeah. I, I love Acro so much that, like, right now in my office, I probably have close to 500 rolls still left. Like no when, kidding. Like when they said they said it's canceled, I bought it all up. I didn't buy it to sell yeah. it at the lab. I bought it for me, selfishly, because <laughs> literally that is my favorite black and white film. And I love it because it's orthopanchromatic. Like it's just – so for those of you listening, if you don't know what orthopanchromatic means, it's basically it has really low sensitivity to red in the UV rays, you know. So yeah. like blue people like or sorry, not blue people, <laughs> people with blue eyes <laughs> or freckles, a.k.a. my wife and or my kids. They just it looks amazing. It's like that old kind of tin type look like a lot Ooh. of that. stuff yeah. was. Yeah, it wasn't orthopanchromatic per se, but it kind of has the same look, I guess, or qualities to it. But yeah, I'm really curious to see what they say, quote unquote, what version two is because their excuse or sorry, I don't say excuse their verbiage for why they got <laughs> rid of. Uh, Akros was there was a lack of materials. Somehow in hmm. 2018, there's a lack of materials. I that translates something got expensive and it just wasn't worth it to us. Right. You know. Um, 
like as so if I step back and be someone who owns a lab, I met with the Fuji like higher ups at WPPI this last March. And we met with them the day after they decided to, you know, up their prices 30%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and no one in that room knew anything really about it because it just came straight from Japan, you know? Yeah. And yeah. so it was a lot of Oof. doom and gloom. Yeah. That, that meeting was great. Yeah. It was amazing. <laughs> but it was cool because, you know, we talked to them and like, what they were like, what can we do to help? And I'm like, well, stop discontinuing everything. Right. And stop yeah, raising please. things double digits. And if you are going to raise something double digits, give me something back. You know, like if you compare the two companies like Kodak and Fuji at the time. So Kodak also made a, a price increase. It was single digits, but you right. you gave me E100. You gave yeah. me mm-hmm. P3200 and right. 35. Mm-hmm. And now you're going to give me E100 in medium format. And I know for a fact that they're going to make P32 in medium format. They already have. They just haven't oh, released yes. it. Yes. So this is what I, I heard from Tim Ryugo. So he was, I don't know if you know who that is. Do you yeah, know who Tim yeah. is? Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You've met Tim, right? Not not the most loud person. So we, were, <laughs> we were at WPPI and he's like, I've seen the film and it's amazing. Like that yes. was his reaction. <laughs> and I'm like, oh! Yeah, like, yeah, I yeah. already love it in 35 Me millimeter. Too. Me I too. I can't even imagine how amazing it's going to be in 120. Like the grain is going to be incredible. You mm-hmm. pull it three stops and it's like, I'm not going to shoot any other black and white besides right. this. Mm-hmm. And I didn't mind that Kodak had raised their prices because they, they were giving us stuff back. Right, right. Yeah. You know, there was That's a, a really good that, point. Yeah. You know, like I have faith in this company. Of course you have to raise your prices. It's cost. I understand it. You know, yeah. but if a company like Fuji kills everything except Fuji Literally. 4 h Yeah. Everything. And then you're going to tell me I'm going to raise your prices 30%. You just gave me the biggest middle finger you possibly can. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and you guys said, hey, is he going to want to edit? I'm not editing that. Like, that's worth it. <laughs> I kid you not. We'll leave that in. <laughs> you know? What do you do? You mostly shoot Fuji, Jonathan? Or are you like kind of do both or you have favorites um, of each or? Yeah, it all depends on what I'm shooting. So like if I'm shooting like a family session of people that are possibly, say, Asian, mm-hmm. I'm not shooting portrait. I'm right. shooting Fuji 400H. Yeah. But for the yeah. most part, like all of my work is done on either Portra 800, Ektar, Portra 160. I don't shoot Portra 400 all that much. I've tried to like literally within the last couple of months shoot it because I feel it's like, it's what everybody shoots. It's yeah. so, yeah. Yeah. It's so not boring, but like, I just, it, there's nothing about it that excites me. If I take Portrait 800, rate it at 400, push it a stop in the development, the color's incredible. If yeah. I shoot Ektar, rate it at 400, push it two stops, it's amazing. I like kind of doing stuff that isn't the normal, mm-hmm. you know? Like, it's still normal color, but I really like contrast and saturation. So I'm not shooting, like, Fuji 400H for just normal stuff. It's just right. too it's too bland for me. I like salty. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the same way. My my film's got to have some grit to it. Some, yeah, some you contrast know? and some dirt. Yeah. What about you guys? What do you what do you what's your favorite color neg film? What's your favorite color film, Chris? <laughs> Portra 400. <laughs> That's fine. It's great. That's and this is the great thing about film is that it's like there there's I feel there's enough different stocks out there for everyone's personality and or yeah, voice. You yeah. know, like. I'm not I'm sorry. I didn't really mean to bag on Portugal. No, no, There's no, 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 wrong no. With it at all. It just it doesn't fit in what it is that I want to do or how I want to tell my story. You know, and that's not to say that it doesn't work for a gazillion other people. You know, man, I'm mostly black and white. If I if I do jump into color, it's like usually Lomo 800. I'm a big fan of that Lomo 800 I've, film. I've heard a lot mm-hmm. of great things about this film. I've yet to shoot it, um, but it's it, I. For some reason, I heard like years ago that it was like repurposed Kodak 800 or something weird like that, Portrait 800. But I, I could be completely wrong. I just heard that forever ago, and it stuck in my mind. But it's not anything Mm-mm. like Portrait no. 800. It's, huh. it's, it's like heavy on the blacks. Like blacks are black, and I like that. Yellows 
it's got like a weird yellow tint to it. Like I don't know how to explain it. It's huh. not like a warm. It's not a warm yellow tint. It's just this like. But it's not. I, I, that makes it sound like everybody looks yellow. It's not like that either. It's if you shoot something that's yellow, like, uh, like if you're in a laundromat at, at three o'clock in the morning, and you shoot that weird lighting that's in there, like it's gonna, it's gonna look very, very yellow and like moody. You know. Huh. It's interesting because. I feel like all like color neg films have like a base color, you know, like yeah. a starting point. Mm-hmm. Like, and Portrait yeah. 100 is orange, Ektar is red, you know, Portrait 160 is magenta, and Portrait 400 is a yellow base. You know, yeah. so it's interesting you say that it's it's a yellow base. It's interesting to see. I really like uh, Fuji's 400 Superior. Ah, yeah. Yeah, that's like my second favorite color film. And then besides the Lomography F2 400, which is like I that's the one I hoarded. I have like way too many rolls. I just got more of it because <laughs> somebody was selling it on one of the Facebook groups, and my boyfriend was like, "We don't, you don't need any more film." I'm like, "Shh, it's going in the fridge." <laughs> it's summertime. There's they need a place for all the alcohol. I, you can't you can't just yeah. put all your yeah, film yeah. in there now. <laughs> That's what he thinks, man. Yeah, you need a you need a little mini fridge, Chris. I know just your own we little fridge. Have, like a. I'm like looking around, like where could we put it? You could just slide it right under your desk. Yeah, just put it, it'll it'll fit right there. Just one of those little cubes where you can just put all your Lomo, your Lomo film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> have you, Have you guys dabbled at all in the the double film yet? No. The like the double exposure stuff. No, it's called so. Um, there's like the bubblegum kind, the one. Yeah, right? yeah. There's like bubblegum. There's jelly. There's Apollo. There's Pacific. I think there's six different kinds. We just got it. Like we were able to get it through Robert's distributors, which is Ilford. Yeah, yeah. And so we got a handful of it, and a lot of our clients have resp- like it's it's flying off the shelf, which is crazy. So I decided to try some, and uh, you know, some of it's a little um, a little too much for my like normal straight color, <laughs> right, right, right palette. But it, there there is some cool stuff to it. I think there's uh, anyway. I know you you said you guys are shooting lomography, so I'm assuming you shoot other stuff than just. The basic yeah, yeah, yeah. straightforward Kodak Fuji stuff, you know, is uh, is is that like color shift the bubble gum? Does it make it like pink? Yeah, bubble stuff? gum is literally like like if I have to send you a frame. So I I, I just recently acquired a, an X Pan. Well, it's basically the Fuji TX one, mm. and so yes. like it's twenty frames on, on roll, right? But like you should be able to shoot like twenty two in my opinion. So like I'll scan like just one frame of just the base, and it literally was just a rainbow. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah, it wow. was really, it was a little, I mean, it was great. We went up to Pride. I was just going to, uh, I was just going to say that. Yeah, we went up to Pride two <laughs> I was weeks like, that's going to be the, like, be the best film for Pride. Yeah, and I brought it, I was like, this is going to be great. And it, it was great, but some of it was a little over the top. I'm like, look, I get rainbows <laughs> are associated with Pride, but this is too much, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. Let's tone it down a little, so. Man. Anyway. It's like unicorns blasting out of the <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So what's your what's your what's your favorite black and white film? Oh man, it would probably for the longest time it was 400 Tri-X, but I definitely shoot more T-Max now, 400. Really? Like all the time. Yeah, and I push it to 1600 and that's that's just I I love the the crushed out blacks and just white like super contrast, like I said, like basically I'm developing and when I develop, it's basically like taking the contrast bar in Lightroom and turning it all the way up. Yeah. I just really like, you know, grody, dirty stuff. And I seem to get the most dirt out of T-Max, which is weird because it's like a T. Yeah, you know, it's like tea really grain. fine it's supposed to be, grain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, everything you said, you everything that came out of your mouth is not T-Max. So. Yeah. <laughs> but for some reason, that's why I would shoot Triax for the longest time. And. I think something got mixed up when I ordered a brick of film. They sent me T-Max instead of Trix, and I was like, no. And then I shot it anyway. Yeah. And it ended up being like what I actually wanted, you know? Really? Yeah, it was weird. It was like a gift. I was gifted from the gods this like (laughs) Like, 10-pack of T-Max. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And same with the P3200, though. Like, I've been... Yeah. Oh, dude, I've been shooting this project. My One of my friends, her boyfriend uh passed away 
committed suicide and we have been working on this project throughout the year like photographing all of his stuff to the stuff he left behind to her like in mourning to I mean it's just been like one of the deepest projects I've worked on in a long time and I've been shooting mostly P3200 with that minus like the 4x5 stuff I've done um but I I I can't, I I know it's like sacrilegious to say, but Ilford, I just haven't been able to get into Ilford in 35 millimeter. Mm. If I shoot it in medium format, Uh, yeah, there's a big difference between 35 and 120 and and Ilford. Because, like, for me, the ultimate black and white film is HP5. Yeah. Yeah. And not not at 400. I really find it really boring at 400. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, if I shoot HP five, I'm pushing it three stops always. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Like it, it's a, like it can turn the dankest of situations into what looks like, Oh wow. That was really great light. And you look like, I look back and I'm like, that was horrible. There light. was no light. Yeah. There was no yeah. light. And the quality <laughs> of the light was horrible, but HP five pushed three stops developed an X tall is just, if That's you nice. haven't tried it, man, like and now, now when I say this, Again, medium format, medium format only. I don't yeah, shoot yeah. Ilford in 35 at all. But like oh, going yeah. back, okay. like what you're saying, that, that P3200, that's an everyday film for me. I don't care if yeah. it's bright outside, like super that's sunny. That's the best thing about it. Yeah, you can yeah. shoot it at any time. I it can sh- literally matter. shoot like, it in the dark. Yeah, in the dark or broad daylight, man. Right. I've been shooting yeah. it in like, the middle of the day at like F22 at mm-hmm. 1000, and it looks amazing. Yep. It's incredible. Yep. Yeah, I love that film. Yeah, I think that's my what between that and the T, uh, Tri-X 400. Those are my two favorite black and whites. I wish I wish I could get into Tri-X as much as I know a lot of people love it. Yeah, it's just, really I just, good. It's like it. my Tri-X is your Ilford. Yeah. Like I just haven't gotten into it. I've, I've tried it. It just is not, I don't know. One, you've got Acros. So like I said, I've got like just under 500 rolls hoarded a version one that's so great yeah, version yeah, yeah. two isn't all that great um but like for me it's like daylight is acros and anything that's questionable where i know i don't have light it's hp5 yeah it, that that film medium format too the acros like it is a whole other breed i oh. love shooting mm-hmm. the 30 i love shooting the 35 millimeter at uh 400 i always push it to 400 when i shoot it with really? the 35 millimeter yeah and it's i love the way that looks too it's like a completely different but see i just i didn't get into it as it just didn't fall into my realm you know soon enough because oh, it's right, another one right. of those films that's like I, I've been like a Kodak diehard, you know, I'm always trying mm-hmm. to Kodak's always been my favorite. So I always just try to like brand loyalty with that all the time. And my stepdad, he's like a hardcore acro shooter, or acros, whatever it's called. And he'll he'll sh- he he he's given me like a brick of 35 and two pro packs of the 120. And like, wow, damn. Now, now I'm shooting through it and I'm like, I see why he loves this film so much. Like, it's, a, it's, it's absolutely amazing. amazing. Yeah, but I've when, actually never shot it. Really? What? Yeah, because there I'll was. I'll send you. A, I'll send you well, a roll. Because yeah, there was a time I wasn't really shooting black and white all that much. I was yeah, like, like strictly yeah. like on the color stuff. So yeah, I just never picked it up. It's, if you want to send me one, it's, Timothy, it's like magic. Like I see the scene that I'm shooting, and then when you get the image back on Acros, you're like, this is everything that I would have done if I was like a post processor. Wow. But I'm not, and it's just amazing, straight out of camera, man. So, like when you were when you were saying you pushed it two stops, did, did you feel it look different? Because I I feel like when you push Acros one stop or especially two stops, like it loses that orthopanchromatic feel. You know? Yeah, it turn it turns it basically into you know triax. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. is what it yes. does. Yes. Yeah, the antithesis yeah. of anthropanchromatic. Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yep. 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 So I. It's I'm so used to like I don't use a meter unless like my camera by chance has one that I'm running around with. So I do a lot of like sunny 16 or, you know, kind of guessing light. And I'm built to know what the sun and light is at 1600 because I shot that for like six years straight just shooting push 1600. So it's it's really hard for me to go out and shoot a roll of like 100 speed film. Right. You know, like it's really hard when I'm like on the full other side of the spectrum. I'm like, how do I meter this? What do I what so I'm really trying to break that habit. That's why I'm kind of doing some other different speeds and stuff like that now of 
you know, it's you don't learn anything unless you try new stuff. So that's exactly. true. Trying, trying some new stuff recently. I want to try. I need to try, get the uh, step out of the porch of 400, but which I which I have, but uh, not enough. Yeah, I feel, I feel like, like, I need like you've been more. doing pretty good at that. Yeah, but at the same time, like I think consistency is key. You know, yeah. I think a lot yeah. of people oh, coming into yeah. film, they're like, "Ooh, I'm gonna buy this mixed bag and like show up to a shoot and then shoot all sure. of these." Yeah, you know, it's like five mm. different film socks and like there's no consistency or like coherent anything to what they've shot. You know, it's like. Oh, I shot Cinestill in broad daylight and then I shot, you know, yeah. Fuji 400 H. I don't know why they don't look the same. Yeah. Well, well. <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. That's true. I've been shooting with these two girls too. They're just, uh, one's a coworker of mine and, and her friend just kind of going around and doing some portraits with them recently. And I always leave with like the same three packs of film mm-hmm. in my bag. Like yeah. I never take anything crazy unless like we're, doing something different unless I want to try something different but like I mean if you shoot the same stuff all the time you that's how you kind of gain your style right. and your you know totally. and how you how you learn to shoot you know so I think that is very important to kind of stick with something until you you know you get your 10,000 hours in and then yeah, you yeah, yeah. yeah it's the same with like zoom versus prime you know yeah mm-hmm. like yeah you're almost better off with little to no options you know, right. yeah. and then once you've mastered that, then go on to like, right. okay, now I can handle my 70 to 200 versus just, you know, my plain old 50. I can't tell you how many times I've packed extra lenses along yeah. with different <laughs> yeah. things and never even pulled it out of the bag. Or extra cameras. Oh, yeah. Always. Just- Always. Every day. Every day when I walk to work, I have <laughs> three cameras <laughs> with me. Speaking of cameras, what are you, uh, what are you shooting nowadays, Jonathan? <sighs> okay. Um, where do I start? Okay. So for like paid work, paid work, I use a Pentax 645. Um, but it does, but I, it's, again, I'm always teetering on the edge of like not normal. So I have the Pentax 645, but I have the contacts 80 millimeter planar on there. Oh, that's been modded and it's only F2. So it's F2 and F2 only. Well, that's awesome. I love that. Yes. It is awesome, but like if yeah, obviously if I have to do groups or something else, then the other camera oh, that yeah. I use a lot you're screwed. <laughs> is the Pentax. Yeah, exactly. You're screwed. So I need yeah. depth of field. So I've got the Pentax six seven two with the one hundred five, and I, those are my main like two cameras I'm using for paid gigs. Now, if I'm going to go out and shoot for myself, um, I bounce right now between again that TX one, the Fuji's yeah. version of an X pan. And then I also love my Roloflex 6001, which, man, no one cared about that camera. I don't even think people care about it now. I picked up a whole like mint kit, everything you needed with like the PQS lens, which means it like syncs with flash at one one thousandth of a second. That whole set was 500 bucks on eBay. Yeah, just like stupid low. I was like, done. Did you guys ever see like um, there was a Time Magazine cover of the Game of Thrones people shot on Ektar? No. No. Yeah, I'll send you a link to it. It was maybe how did a I year miss or this? so ago. Yeah, right? It's like, how do we <laughs> yeah, miss that? it was shot on Ektar on a freaking Roloflex 6001. It's amazing. Wow. It's freaking amazing. But yeah, I have I have a problem with, with cameras because like if you would have asked me the same question maybe even like four months ago. It'd be a totally different question, like totally different answer. Like I would have been like context G2, 35 millimeter lens, no questions (laughs) asked, you know, and my Roly 2.8C, which I still love both of those cameras, but you just like, I'm as fickle as the weather, you know, like Mm -hmm. it's like a high school boy. I'm like dating a new girl every weekend, you know, it's like, oh, I like this one. I like her. She's nice. Man. Not to sound like misogynistic, but that's basically <laughs> what it is. You know, like I'm going through yeah. cameras like, I mean, if you guys are analog geeks, you, you, everyone is guilty of gas. I don't care what anybody says. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. I'm the same way. I, uh, I have a bunch of stuff that's like, I keep hiding like all my good cameras in my closet now just because I can't keep looking at them like every five seconds because like, then I just want like another one yeah. like or just like it or it's like brother or the newer one or 
because you, you're saying the Pentax 672, like that's on the list now yep. of things. And I, I have a perfectly fine Pentax just sitting right there, you know? So I have to, I guess I kind of have to remind myself every once in a while. I was going to say, I've been going through that a lot lately where I'm just like going through cameras again. I, mm-hmm. I was on a good track there for a while. I was sticking with the same camera for probably a year straight. <laughs> and yeah. now I'm back to I'm, I'm very je- all the jealous again. of the people who are like, I have an M6 and that's it. I'm like, oh man. So you're just know like, how that's you just what that. you. And me either, because yeah. I feel like, at least for me, when I pick up a, something I haven't shot in a while, it's like, okay, I'm like re-energized. I'm like inspired again. Like, you know what I mean? Just because it feels different and you're going to get different type of stuff. So, yeah, having the one, just the one. I mean, that sounds like It sounds dream, ideal. But like, I ideal, think what yeah. happens, at least what I have found, is that like, I just get so sick of my work. I'm like, oh my right. gosh, it's the same thing. It's right. so predictable, Canlis. I know exactly what you did. It's time to switch it up. But like what I was going to say was that my wife kind of like, in, I don't know, institutes this little rule with me. So it's one in, one out. So if I oh, buy one, I have to get rid of one. Ooh. Right? Right? Ooh. That makes it a lot easier because you're like, oh, do I really want that GF670 again after I've already <laughs> bought it and sold it twice? No, I don't. Oh, I don't man. want it again. <laughs> Yeah, buying something and then selling it, regretting it, and buying it again is the worst. Yeah. I've only sold, there's only one camera that I've absolutely and utterly regretted selling. And it it? was the Roloflex 2.8F. I had one that I bought off eBay, was pretty decent, sent it straight to Harry Fleener. And like, Mm -hmm. I mean, I created probably like four years worth of my best work on that camera. Uh. But it had like a coding issue on the taking lens. So I was really limited. I couldn't shoot backlit. I'd get this weird flare or like you'd start glowing. So I was like, oh, cool. I found a a Roloflex GX, like a 2.8 GX, which is like basically the modern version of the F, you know? Right. For real cheap on eBay, I was like, oh, I bought this. And it's slightly different, but enough that it threw me off. It like put me in a funk. I'm like, I freaking hate this camera. Oh, no. Like it's not the (laughs) 2.8 F. Sold it. Got the 2.8 C like it but it's still not the 28f you know so yeah mm-hmm. if you ever get that feeling of you're like oh man i'm sick of it i'm gonna sell this don't don't yes just don't just keep it put it in the closet yeah <laughs> so I, you don't see it i sold my contact 645 and that's the one camera that i like regret selling because i why did you I, sell it just because i like I bought it with the intent of like, I'm just going to, I'm going to shoot weddings with it. And then I, you know, my work kind of changed when I got to LA. I stopped shooting weddings. I've been mm. doing like a lot of onset photography and stuff like that. So it was just sitting and I just, you know. Cash in because it's worth yeah. more than what you you probably paid for. Yeah. It, so. Yeah. But uh, yeah. I wish I didn't do that because <laughs> now they're like super expensive. Yeah, it's oh yeah. Nice. I always see them. They're, they're ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like when I was shooting weddings, you could pick up a kit for like, 22 maybe 2500 mm-hmm. bucks they're like now five they're grand like, yeah they're like four thousand north of four thousand like the inserts man i remember from like buying like at kh i could buy inserts for like 49 dollars. so like oh. 500 bucks wow like, it's like man i wish i wish i would have like invested like in like stocks yeah into contacts you know yeah because i i <laughs> found a, a back that i guess i had kept like oh i'll sell this separately or maybe i forgot i even had it and i just put it out and i'm i somebody paid like 400 bucks for it yeah I was like, yeah wow. i would have paid five of you to ask <laughs> yep you can buy a whole pentax 645n with that so. exactly yeah I was just thinking while you guys are talking about this, like, I really hope that, you know, now that this resurgence and pop up is coming back with film that we start getting some new cameras Mm -hmm. or something, man. Like I because it's getting scary. It's getting scarce. You know, everything's getting bought up. And I don't think I'm letting go of the stuff in my vault right now. At least I'm going to try my hardest not to get rid of it. So you think of all the hipsters that like, you know, make their own axes and like make their own jeans. (laughs) Some of these kids have got to like, you know, and that's the thing. You think about it. You think about your local camera guy. He's not some young hipster. He's like Mm -hmm. in his late 60s, like like waiting for the day to retire. So Mm -hmm. these young hip kids need to like start apprenticing at like camera shops and learn how to fix cameras. But I guess, honestly, even if you did learn how to fix it, are the parts still going to be around? Right. Yeah. That's always the looming, you know, doom over our heads. But yeah, thankfully, I feel like there's a ton of like Pentax 6.7s out there. Yes. 
And, yeah, yeah. You know, and and I think the trend of the the RZ six seven that's like back sweeping the wave again. Like yeah. everybody's shooting RZs again. So it's like now's the time to sell one if you don't ever use yours. Right, you know, right. Because they're, they're <laughs> those cameras man, are too big know. for me. Yeah, you're pretty tiny. <laughs> I don't I don't see you lugging something like that around. Yeah, there was a while when I shot on the RZ and built like a whole body of work on it. And then just one day I was like, peace. <laughs> Bye. I'm done. We'll be right back with some questions for Jonathan right after this message from our sponsor. Support for Analog Talk also comes from Polaroid Originals. Go to PolaroidOriginals.com and use the offer code ANALOGTALK10 at checkout to receive 10% off your next purchase. All right, guys, this is a part of the show where we break off and take a question from one of our listeners. And this week's question comes from Brian at BCAP Photo. And he asks, do you think it's important to educate your clients on why you shoot film? And then there's kind of like a part two. Or do you just do it for you? And if your clients love it, then you let them know? Yeah, so in in, in the real world, most of my clients, especially if you're not a photographer, could care less if I'm shooting film. Right. They abs- actually, I'll be completely honest, once they find out, <laughs> I kind of have to like talk them down off the ledge because they're like, yeah. oh, wait, yeah. what? This is weird. I don't yeah. know. Like, how are you going to, I don't want negatives. I want like files, you know, like, and I have to tell them like, look, it's the best of both worlds because it's analog capture and digital post-production, you know? So my clients don't care. Now, my clients do come to me and say, we really like your work. There's something different about it. And to them, that different about it is film. Right. Now, whether I have to educate them on that or not, it, I don't think it matters. You know, I don't, your clients don't care. Your clients right. care what your photos look like. No right. one, the only people that are come to you to be like, hey, shoot film are other photographers. Right, or right, super right. like analog enthusiasts, you know, but a normal like person that's going to hire, hey, I want you to shoot this wedding. Hey, I want you to shoot our family. Like when I show up to the gig and I'm like loading film, they're like, whoa, wait, what are you doing? Like, oh, <laughs> just changing film. Hold, please. Talk amongst yourselves. You know, yeah. I don't I don't think it I don't think it should ever matter. Right. You know, to a client. This is a personal thing. You know, this is how, how I get from a, point A to point B is up to me. And it's up to my client to trust my process. They don't need to be educated on it in any way, shape, or form. I'm not going to get out there and start talking about f-stops right. or how, oh, you know, this portrait hundred is going to make your skin just look amazing. Like, come on, can no you one, imagine? No one oh cares. God. Yeah, no one cares. So, you know, film. I think is it's a personal choice. You know, I feel there's images that I can only create on film because one, there's only certain cameras that I can use, like. The X-Pan is obviously a very unique format. Now I could yeah. shoot that digitally, but like that's extra steps that I didn't sign up for, you know, mm. or right. like say my Carl, like Carl Zeiss lenses with my like portrait film. It's amazing, mm-hmm. you know? And like, I love that I have specific formats that I can shoot. Like at a family session, I'll shoot six, four, five, six, seven, and six, six, you know? And with never the intention of ever cropping them so they would all look the same. Like I shoot six, four, five for this, six, seven for this. And, you know, I like, I like the different aspect ratios. I hate the idea of like shooting and thinking, oh, I'll crop that later. Are you kidding me? (laughs) I shoot full frame, like, and I put everything in my frame for a reason. Right. I don't do it to like, sit behind a computer and fix it later you know you want to get it done right the first time in camera so that's my answer to that guy it doesn't matter yeah your work speaks for itself they're hiring you not what your medium is exactly okay tough question this tough question should i give it to him yeah (laughs) we talked we we talked a little bit about cameras already but if you were stranded on a desert island and can only use one for the rest of your life what would it be and why do I have to own it now? No. Uh, no. No. I don't. I don't think it matters now. No. Uh-uh. If I could have one camera and I have to shoot it for the rest of my life, can I add an accessory? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Sure. Okay. So hands down, it would be a well-coated Roloflex 2.8F with mm. the Roland R1, so I could do like close-up portraits. Cool. That's, That's it. A good answer. No question. Like no questions asked. Carl's eyes sharp. The sharpest. Like I could shoot 2.8 all day every day. And never worry about it being like 
out of focus. Ooh. Yeah. Like that camera was just at least the one that I had. But again, it had the coding <laughs> issue. So if I had that lens, it didn't have a coding issue. That to me is the dream camera. That's it. Done 12 exposures all day, every day. Good yeah. answer. The one that got away. Yeah. I right. love that it like <laughs> still, it still haunts you. I know. It really does. <laughs> I can't even tell it, man. Like if I just showed you like the work that I produce on it. Like I'm, yeah. someone's gonna fish slap me. Like, what was wrong with you, Candlest? Like, it's like that Batman thing, you know, like that meme where he's always slapping Robin. Yeah, yeah. it's like, what yeah. were you thinking? <laughs> what were you thinking? Yeah. So there's a uh, two part to this question, but I think this might be your answer for that. It, what are you lusting after right now? What's your white whale camera? Is it the same thing since you don't have it, or is there something no. else you got your eye on? Okay, so I'm I'm okay. Let's back up. So. I've, I've been shooting since 1999 and my whole career has been based on me getting on a plane and going wherever in God's green earth to whoever that's hired me. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I'm flipping that. I, we've, I've got the foundation poured. I'm building a studio on our property. Yes. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's, that's rad. It's amazing. Yes. <laughs> so after 20 years of shooting, I'm going to hopefully like, you know, have a place where people come to me. So, uh, there's going to be a, it's like 18 by 24 foot studio space with all North facing windows. Yes. Right. Like uh, amazing. Oh my so God. That's the shooting area. And in that, I, <laughs> oh, with shit. this happening, I finally want to try and attempt to do, um, tintypes. Mm. But before I get into the tintypes, I want to acquire an eight by 10 camera with probably just like a 300 millimeter lens because... I acquired 60 sheets of Acros in 8x10. Oh, snap! That's right. Shut up. Come on. So that's the, the, I guess, the unicorn that I'm chasing after is is figuring out the right 8x10. Yeah. So that like, and let's be honest, I'll probably just get like an Intrepid. I was just going to say. It's it's not about having, because like you could literally like buy what it's going to cost to build my studio 8x10 cameras. Like. Right. They're, they're just ludicrous, you know. So and it's it's just a box with a bellows. That's all mm-hmm. it is. So probably an Intrepid two uh, with a three hundred millimeter lens. I'd like to get the Zeiss one. The I think it's a four point five three hundred millimeter lens, and then shooting. Then finally shooting my eight by tens that I have sitting oh, in my man. office. Right. Yeah. Right. Acros eight by ten. It's over. It's done. Deal. It's as good as it gets. I just had a tear go down my cheek. <laughs> I just, I just wept right there. August, man, August. The studio will be done. Come to, come to Utah. Yeah, I'll, I'll take your I'll picture. Be yeah. I'll be out. I'll be out. We'll get a portrait together. Yeah, I'll make it happen. Oh, that would be so awesome. That would be so much fun. Right. That's so exciting. Congrats on that. Yeah, I'm super stoked. Finally, like a space. Because I'll, I'll be honest. Like right now, my office is the laundry room. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I run my international business out of a laundry room. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love it. That just gives, you know, gives me hope. Yeah. When I'm sure. yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. the space like the space that I see you in right now is super legit. Like if I was to be sitting where you are, there'd be like a a, a double stack washer and dryer behind me. Yeah. Like my kids clothes everywhere yeah. and like it's not very professional. So I, I fought for the spare bedroom, so... It, yeah. It, there you go. This is man go. cave. It looks yeah, nice, yeah, man. Yeah, for real. Thank you. Thank you. That, this has been awesome, Jonathan. Thank you again yeah. for taking the time to chat with us. No problem. We I really hope appreciate it was what your listeners were looking for, so... Oh, absolutely. Where, where can everybody check you out? Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, I'm not very good at this self-promotion thing. Uh, <laughs> Instagram, I guess, is probably the best place. I post there Monday through Sunday. Uh, so at Jonathan Canlis, so J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N, and then C-A-N is a Nancy L-A-S. Yeah, just go there because everything else that you would possibly be interested in having, I have a link tree thing and all, like I'm not, like I said, I'm not here to push stuff, but if they are interested, there's other things to be found in said link tree, so. Cool. And Timothy, what about you? Guys, you can head over to Instagram and Twitter at Timothy Makeups. I've also been making YouTube videos again. I don't know if you've guys seen, oh, right but on. that's uh He's back. Go over to go over to YouTube. Uh, the easiest way to find it is go to the search bar. Just search Timothy.makeups. That's me. You'll find a bunch of old videos there that I'm still super proud of and some new stuff. Chris, where are you? So I'm Chris B Photo on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. I do some YouTube stuff here and there as well. 
Um, you do. We are Analog Talk Pod on Twitter, Analog Talk Podcast on Instagram, and we have a Facebook page and a group. Huh, Facebook Join page it. and a group. Yep. Man, a this group. is legit as a legit guest. It's still, still, <laughs> we don't do much on the page anymore, yeah, but the group okay. is still cool because people like, you yeah. know, hang out and chat and post and stuff. Cool, man. So. Awesome. Yeah, thanks again, Jonathan. This yeah, has been no wonderful. Problem. Thanks for having me. Let me geek out about 8x10 acros. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Still, still crying about it right now. Because uh, who else can I say that to? I'm like, oh man, I'm so yeah. excited about this eight by ten acros. My wife is there, like, I don't care. Yep. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And I yep. think all of our significant others are like, okay, cool. Great. How much did that cost? Yeah. Really? Like, why is yeah. there more film in the fridge? <laughs> why is it so big? What are these yeah. big cardboard boxes? It makes no sense to me. Oh man. Oh my god. Awesome. Anyway, thanks, guys. Yeah. Bye. First off, we want to thank Jonathan Canlis for being on the show. You were definitely a bucket list, wish list guest. We're so thankful for all you do for the film community with your lab, with Find in a Box, with Find Meaning, all the stuff you're doing. It's it's really awesome. And we're super glad we got the time to, to chat with you today. Guys, that's going to take us to the Patreon. Head over to patreon.com slash analog talk. There is a couple things over there to help us out. A bunch of tiers. You can get some prints. We're doing live streams, some after show videos for you guys to check out any little support helps the show guys also if you could head over to itunes and subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review that uh, makes it a lot easier for you know people to find the podcast it makes it a lot easier for searchable you know reasons so head over to itunes subscribe leave a little five star review that would be awesome Tell us how much you love the show. Guys, until next week, we will see you soon. Later.